So we're going to continue our series in the Psalms today and for the next few weeks. And they just connect with life so well. That's why the Psalms are beloved across the world because you can kind of be going through anything and within reading a couple Psalms, you're like, hey, that's me. That's what I'm going through right now. Or I connect with that emotion. And they're prayers. They're just very authentic prayers to God. And it just seems to fit well in this time, in this season of life, in this crazy 2020, this roller coaster of emotions that we're all on. The Psalms just encourage us. I know they encourage me. Because when you're having a great day, you can find yourself in the Psalms. When you're having a grumpy day and you're frustrated and you're whining, you can find yourself in the Psalms. And they're just these very authentic prayers that take us back to the reality of just bring everything to God. God wants to be with you all day, every day, on your good days and your bad days, and he wants you to learn how to come to him in prayer, in conversation. And so we're going to look today at a very, very famous psalm, maybe the most famous of all. But there's always fresh bread that the Holy Spirit wants to, to cook for us, if you will, for the open heart. And this morning I want to frame this psalm a little bit by the obvious of it, but sometimes we forget it. And psalm is about God as our shepherd, and I want to just encourage you to soak in the reality this morning that Jesus is wanting to show you some new aspects of what does it mean for Jesus to shepherd you. It's a very common theme in Scripture. It's a, it's a theme that Jesus enforces and encourages and picks up and uses about himself, about us. He even declares, I am the good shepherd. And that's what this psalm frames God as. The shepherd of our souls. The good shepherd who wants to take care of his sheep. But the other reality of this psalm, the human reality, is that David is weary. So he needs the good shepherd. You don't long for, for still pastures where you lay down and have quiet waters and say, my, my soul needs to be restored. You don't long for those things unless you're weary. But what David also shows us is to be human is to get weary at times because this world can wear us out. And so we need the good shepherd. And that it's not a, a bad weakness we're supposed to hide to recognize that, man, I feel weary at times. As God's word says in other places, when we are weak, then he is strong. And we're going to see that in the psalm. So I want to read it slow. It's Psalm 23, if you're not tracking already. And I just want to encourage you actually to, to close your eyes as I read it. I'm going to take a little bit slower than normal. But I want to encourage you to use your, what I would call, a holy imagination. Let your senses hear and see and, and feel the the beautiful and rich imagery of the psalm. 
the Bible intentionally, the Holy Spirit intentionally builds in rich, powerful imagery that paints a picture of something that, that attracts our senses where we, we see it, we hear it, we feel it. It's almost like we can taste it and touch it. And that's on purpose. God did that because it helps us to experience what he's wanting to say, how it's meant to affect us. So I'm just going to read this psalm and then we'll, we'll walk through here. So as mentioned, if you'd want to, just encourage you to kind of close your eyes and, and receive it, feel it, hear it, and then we'll walk through. Put yourself in David's shoes here. See your own life being the one who the good shepherd is guiding. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord, our good shepherd. Let's walk through these verses here and just soak in the goodness of Jesus as our good shepherd. And if it's not already clear, I would just want to encourage you to trust and expect that the good shepherd wants to say something fresh to you today that you are in this psalm. This psalm is for you. Your life is somehow in this psalm this morning, and the good shepherd is wanting to highlight something and say, right there, that's for you. That's how I want to be the good shepherd for you and to you right now. So expect that. The Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. That is such an incredible declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. The older translations say, so I shall not be in want. The New Living Translation says, so I have everything I need. 
And that right there, sometimes I, I go to this psalm, I already know what it's going to say, but I just want to read it because it's such good news, and I want to just re refresh my soul with that truth. If Jesus is my shepherd, and I'm connecting to that and allowing that, then I have everything I need. That is such a declaration for life. That is such an upside-down, countercultural way of living. I mean, he hasn't even got into the specifics yet. So in some sense, he's saying, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Not that God doesn't care. Not saying that at all. But the circumstances, no circumstances in life can change this truth right here. If I'm allowing Jesus to shepherd me, I have everything that I need. And man, do I need to keep returning to that truth. But why is that true? Why is that true? And in some ways, I believe that the psalm, that's what this psalm is about. God's going to show you a number, show me, show us a number of different ways why it's true that when Jesus is our good shepherd, we have everything we need. But it culminates at the end in this declaration about God and life that I believe is the ultimate answer. So I want to take us to the end. It's kind of going to the end of the movie. You know what you're getting into. Now you can go through the movie and be like, oh, now that's making a lot of sense. How does it finish? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Why? Because 23.6 says, because I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And biblical, the, the, the biblical meaning of dwelling in God's house is simply being in God's presence. The manifest presence of God where the Holy Spirit is tangibly real with you. And David is saying, when that's happening, when I'm dwelling in God's presence, when I'm encountering the living God, He's my shepherd, He is with me, and I am with Him. And when all that's happening, I've got everything I need. And so this psalm is really how learning to thrive in any and every circumstance is quite simply learning to dwell with him and allow him or learning to dwell with him as you allow him to shepherd you. So my prayer this morning is God continue to to give us those eyes to see, ears to hear in a fresh way, how you want to shepherd us, how you want to teach us to dwell in your house every day of our life so that we recognize that you're with us and we're with you. And when that's happening, we've got everything we need. So let's walk through here. Kind of three verses. 
three ways in which Jesus shows us what it's like to be our good shepherd, three invitations from Jesus to allow him to be our good shepherd. Verse 2 and 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This is classic imagery, possibly some of the most famous imagery in all of the Bible. But for good reason, it's saying our soul, our soul can can find peace in the midst of life. That sounds good. I want some of that. Because this world gets crazy. So this beautiful, serene, peaceful imagery, this place of rest where we're able to, to lie down in green pastures, sit by the still waters, have our souls refreshed, restored. Man, that is attractive. attractive between because so much of of life is spent running around right where you get up in the morning and you just start running even if you have good intentions it's it's good things get in the way of of the best thing which is to somehow get your soul in the posture where you're lying down in green pastures resting by still waters having your soul restored by your shepherd in his presence. And even when you love it and you want it and you long for it, just life gets in the way. And you just start running. And the next thing you know, you're running through your day or you're running through your week or you're running through the month and you're weary and you're a little frustrated with life. And there you are again in the situation that David finds himself of needing to be restored. What I love, though, is there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, no condemnation. It's just this invitation where the good shepherd's saying, hey, you're running again. You're running without me, ahead of me. You didn't first let me be your shepherd, so just come and lie down. Stop running. Lie down. And for those of us who you know, want to get stuff done and have, have that achiever mindset or that ambitious American mindset, which can be very good strengths. I love how Jesus says, who's in charge? Lie down. Do you allow the shepherd to say to you, stop running, lie down? That's challenging. Do you give yourself permission to hear the shepherd saying, hey, you're doing it again. That that achiever mindset in you just kept running when I was whispering, lie down. Because I want to restore your soul. I want to refresh your soul. So there's this incredible invitation from the shepherd regularly this is a rhythm of life this is a way to live where you regularly hear the voice of the good shepherd saying lie down 
and you don't think, oh, that's just bad weakness. That means I'm not being productive. That means I'm just, you know, a wimp. It's the, the posture to live from so that we're refreshed. And his strength is what's coming out of us. His perspective is what's coming out of us. His hope is what's coming out of us. Do we allow ourselves to hear that voice where he strongly but generously and graciously says, lie down. Can you feel like the, uh, 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 I don't want to lie down. I know I've been feeling that, honestly, the last couple weeks. I got weary by the, the lockdown number two, just being honest. Lockdown number one, whatever, three months, I was good anchored my soul and who God is and the faith and the promises and how he works all things for good and his agenda doesn't change and we can worship him in the storm. And honestly, it was like, man, thriving in the storm. The second lockdown, like a week and a half ago, just didn't agree with my soul. And I got weary quickly out of frustration. And, and, and I'm not getting into, uh, well, I'm getting into it, didn't I? I just stepped in it. So... <laughs> Some of my frustration was in regards to just like, ah, oh, the Lord, but, but we, we just got out of lockdown. I was ready to, to, to say, okay, let's, let's continue to move in that direction. And, and you know, you start, you start seeing, okay, what's, what's going to be the new, I mean, as a pastor, like, I thrive on hope. So it's like, what's the hope? Where is God at work? Where can I see God at work? And what are those things we can get behind? And with faith, declare, here's where God's going to keep moving. And so it's just this very weird, as I'm sure everybody felt, you know, it's like you start thinking about opening up life again, what that's going to mean for our kids with, with education and with church and being able to fellowship and, and our spiritual health of being able to be together like God calls us to fully be together. And then the economy being able to open up so people can actually, let's see, uh, make money so they can support their families and all of these things that have major long-term consequences for our well-being. So I'm starting to get excited of like, okay, God's going to work here and here and here. And how can I be a part of that in our city, in our church family? And then it's like, nope, just kidding. Stop it all. I'm just saying how I received it. And it's like, ah, oh, and I got weary real quick <laughs> where I was frustrated and, and good fruit was, was not coming out of me. And, and, and I didn't want to lie down. <laughs> I just wanted to be frustrated, and I wanted to fix it, and I wanted to talk to right people, and I wanted to change it, and I wanted to control it. And that's where this, the Lord is saying, hey, that's a good time to lie down. When you're trying to control things that are not in your control, lie down. Not saying that you give up on the fight or you give up on what you're passionate about or what you care about. But there's that fine line where if you're trying to control what you can't control, it really easily becomes your strength. And God's saying, lie down. You're going to have to probably lie down every day and let me restore your soul so that you go out and live from a good and healthy place of faith 
and hope and love and confidence and power. Not from just frustration that you want things to change and you're not controlling it very well. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. When you're feeling that, the shepherd says, come lie down. And you can desire the same end goal, but from that place of faith. Then he moves on to say, and they're all connected. That he leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's two interesting pictures there. You're going through a deep valley. The uh, literal translation is very deep shadow. Kind of reminds me of like a Lord of the Rings type term. You're walking through a very deep shadow. Everybody's got them. Every life will encounter them. It's just the reality of a broken and fallen world. When you're walking through that deep shadow, what is the shepherd doing? Notice that this does not say the shepherd pushed you into the deep shadow. The world is broken, and you will find yourself, you're just in it sometimes. You're in the deep shadow. So where's the shepherd? He's there, and he's got a rod, and he's got a staff. The staff was the, the correction tool that the shepherd has for the sheep. Because sometimes sheep think they know better than the shepherd, so they just wander off into places that will actually sometimes kill them, like over a cliff. And so the shepherd carries with him a staff. It has that little you know, hook on the end. And what that was used for, as many of you know, was to gently correct the sheep as we go, I can do it on my own, off the cliff and dead. And the good shepherd says, hey, when you think you got it under control, and you said, I don't need me anymore, I'm gonna, I got this, God, I got it today, and you just go off on your own strength, or you know what, shepherd, I kind of just want to do it on my own. I know your word says to do this, but I'm kind of going to indulge in how I think I need to do life. And you're wandering, and the good shepherd in that valley of the shadow of death that you walked yourself into, that you made a mess of yourself, which we all do at times, he's got a staff to say, "Uh uh-uh, here's the path of righteousness. Let me help you. Let me fix your eyes again on the straight and narrow. Let me me get you off the, the road to destruction and on the straight and narrow that leads to life. And so in the deep valley, in the deep shadow, when we walk ourselves into it in various ways, God is with us and he is equipped and ready to put us back on the path of righteousness. So be looking for how the shepherd is at work in the deep shadow when you've got yourself there. Know his will is to gently put you back on his path of righteousness for his sake and for your abundant life. And the second thing he's got when you're in the shadow, when it's deep, when it's dark, he has a weapon. It's a, it's a rod that was used to beat off predators, not to beat the sheep. So don't say I'm in the shadow and God's beating me. 
No, he uses his staff to correct you and put you on the right path. He uses the rod to beat off the enemy, to beat off the wolves who come to attack you. It's kind of a cool picture that Jesus is carrying a weapon with him so that when evil comes, he is prepared to attack. He is prepared to defend you, to rescue you, to deliver you with a a violent act against evil. If a wolf came to come after the sheep, the shepherd, they've got a weapon, and they will use it with aggressive force to protect the beloved sheep. It's a great picture when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death and saying, where's God? Picture him with a weapon to beat the enemy. I mean, that is good news. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Deliver us from evil, Jesus taught us to pray. Fear no evil, David says. I will fear no evil. Why? Because the good shepherd brought a weapon to beat away the predators. Deliver us from evil. Jesus taught you to pray. Why? Because he is with you. And he's got a weapon to beat up the enemy. Moving on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now comes into focus what I believe is actually the backdrop of the entire psalm. And when you see it, it makes the psalm that much more powerful. David writes this psalm at a time in which his enemies have surrounded him. This is not a peaceful time of life. This is a time of war. This is a time where he has threats coming his way. He is facing challenge. He is facing trial. He is facing hard times. So keep that in mind the next time you read verse 1 and 2 where it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's not a, a peace like the world offers, which says, In order for you to have peace, you have to have the absence of conflict. All the circumstances have to be fixed. Everything has to be made right. And then you'll have peace. And that's not the picture at all of biblical peace. David's talking about a peace, a refreshing, while the circumstances are still bad. The enemy is still staring at him right at, right at hand. The war's not done. His enemy hasn't yet been vanquished. And in the midst of that, God, the good shepherd, is doing something in his soul that is a refreshing peace. And even more, he says, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
So much of life is spent striving. And the good shepherd says, come, sit down. That's the second time he's done something that I don't like. (laughs) I want to run. I want to strive. I want to accomplish. I want to be productive. I want to be strong. And the first thing God said is, as a good shepherd, lay down. The second thing he says is, sit down. It's like, okay, there's a pattern. Sit down in the presence of your enemies and let me prepare a meal for you. Let me prepare a meal for you. I'm the good shepherd. Let me serve you. Let me prepare a table for you. Servants prepare meals for masters. So this, this, this should feel weird. The good shepherd is saying, no, 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 you sit down. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but sit down. I'm going to serve you. And not, not, not as, a, 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 as, a, as a servant and a king here, but this is as a beloved child would be served by a good father. As a beloved daughter or son would be taken care of by the perfect heavenly parent. In the midst of the enemy just looking right at you, the good shepherd says, so sit down and let me take care of you right now. Let me feed you. Let me strengthen you. Let me anoint your head with oil. That goes on. It's the same picture. It's God taking care of us. In the ancient days, that would be something that would happen. In a a generous host, a very generous host would treat their guests to these fine oils that in the midst of a meal would be put on their foreheads so that they, they had a glistening sheen to their countenance. You could say a radiance about them. And they would smell good. So everyone else in the room would walk by them and be like, man, you smell good. That's, that's a good feeling if you've ever received that compliment. When they came in, they probably didn't smell good. But when the good shepherd takes care of them, now they smell good. So he says, sit down. Let me take care of you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to change the countenance on your face so that you shine and you smell good to people around you. And I'm going to fill you up. I'm going to fill your cup to overflowing. When I say, are you thirsty, and you put that, uh, out that little cup, it's not just a little, little dip of water. It's not just a little, little drop where you're like, oh, that was good, but oh, man, I'm so thirsty. He's saying, watch the lavish goodness of the shepherd overflow your cup. So you're like, whoa, 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 that's good. I, I'm good. I'm actually overflowing now. So these three pictures right together where the good shepherd just says, again, in the face of your enemies, your first posture is sit down. Let me take care of you. There is no no religion in the world that I know of that says something like this, where it's like so much of, of life is striving. We've got to impress God. We've got to do stuff to earn God's attention, earn God's affection. And the Bible comes and says, man, when life is hard, 
God wants to prepare the spread for you. He's not looking for you to impress him. He just says, sit down and let me take care of you as a beloved child. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to anoint you so you're pretty and you smell good. And I'm going to fill you up with such goodness that you're overflowing. And all of it is in the midst of your enemies are sitting right across from you and they want to kill you. But that's good news because it's saying again that all of this to be radiant to be an aroma of Christ to others to have a cup that's overflowing to be fed and strengthened is not conditioned upon everything in life going right it's in the midst of the challenge in the midst of the trial in the midst of the frustration that's when God's saying, let me be your shepherd so you can thrive. And man, this psalm is like, wow. It's like the message of the whole Bible. Learning to be with him so you can thrive in any and all circumstances. And that's where it finishes. Surely your goodness and your steadfast love, which is a better translation than mercy, they're both okay, but it's the Hebrew word for hesed, which is the, it's the, the, the foundational, unwavering, unchanging, gracious, steadfast love of God. It's the closest Old Testament synonym to that agape love of God. That unfounded, unearned, it's just this overflowing wellspring from the perfect heart of the Father to all of humanity. So it's surely goodness and steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life. And because of that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's answering the question, is it, how is it actually possible to thrive when my enemies are at hand. The challenge is still there. The trial is still there. The heartache is still there. That's not yet gone and fixed, although God's on our side for that too. That's not what this psalm is saying. The context is. The context is when the problem's still there, the trial's still there, the challenge is still there, is our only choice just to get weary. And it's just this resounding no. In fact, if you let Jesus be your shepherd, you can thrive. God's will is that you thrive. So how is that possible? And it's right here. Because the goodness and steadfast love of God is following you. I mean, wow! If you... If you haven't already grabbed a hold of that, if you're newer with us, this verse has got to be in the top three or four pictures in your head of who God is. What is the good shepherd like? He's following you. A translation of that word is a little bit more uh, interesting, I'll say, is he's hounding you. He's pursuing you. That's what it means. 
He's coming after you. Not dependent on you. Not because you've pleased him, not because you've done enough, not because you've earned it. This is just his character, his nature. That's the hesed of God. The unearnable, freely given, we call it in the New Testament, grace, agape love of God that's coming after you whether you want it or not. He's following you. He's chasing you. He's pursuing you with goodness. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd, and I've got my goodness and my love chasing after you. So sit down. Lay down. Let me be your good shepherd. So the good shepherd simply says, we can thrive in the midst of life's challenges and imperfections because he's following us each and every day with his goodness and love so that we can dwell in his presence. In other words, thriving is possible every day in any circumstance because he's pursuing us so that we can be with him. And if you can be with him, you can thrive. Being with him is thriving. Dwelling in his presence is thriving. It's impossible to be in his manifest presence where the Holy Spirit is connecting you to the reality of who God is in his love and his mercy and his promises and where he feeds you and he restores you and he anoints you and he makes you smell good and he makes you look good and he makes you overflow and you're encountering that you are thriving and that's his invitation that is his invitation every single day in the midst of the challenges we face so let's pray and just take a minute here and ask the Holy Spirit how he's wanting to be our good shepherd today. God, we, we ask. No, first we want to just praise. We want to thank. God, we thank you for this picture of who you are. We thank you that this is the heart of Jesus, our good shepherd. We want to glorify you by learning the proper posture of a sheep. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us right now. From this psalm, what are you saying to us today? What, what posture of the sheep do we need to take? What, what promise from these pictures and images of who you are do we need to grab onto? Do we need to receive today? Do we maybe need to, to stop fighting and lay down or sit down? Or get rid of a lie that when we go through the valley of the shadow, we're alone and you're just doing something bad to us. May we see that rod and that staff and know them for what they truly are. Or when we see our enemies, can we learn how to sit down and receive from you the spread that you want to put before us to nourish us, to strengthen us, 
to fill us up so that we can go out in your strength and conquer the challenges, the enemies that we face. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be personal and individual right now to our lives, right where we're at. What do you want to say? We ask that you would speak. And let's just take a minute to listen. So as we leave, I want to leave us with um, a last thought here. And I want to read this psalm, verse 5 in the Passion Translation. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So there's a process here that David is talking about that I feel like is made more clear in the Passion Translation, which I think is more kind of accurate with our English and how things translate for us understanding things. And there's, there's an active partaking and communion that David is pursuing with God. So for us practically, that looks like getting in his word, praying, making sure that we're still, getting in fellowship, talking to him about what's going on in our heart and what we need, giving him our heart and allowing us, allowing him to meet us there. So I just want to encourage us, you know, as this week has been a little bit difficult, like, you know, Casey said, it's like, okay, we were good the first one, and now it's, what the heck? <laughs> total, total shutdown, unconstitutional shutdown of rights and people's livelihoods. What's going on? You know, um, but, and not that we're supposed to lay down and do nothing when we feel that there are things that need to be fought for. There's, you know, activities that God leads us to stand up and to fight for what it looks like to bring his kingdom on the earth. For each person, that looks different. For each person, they're in a different season and a different time. So I, do, I did want to clarify that the laying down doesn't mean lay down and do nothing. It means receive nourishment and living water and breath of life from our God. Let him fill you up. And then we will always be on mission with him. We are on mission with him always, just like he sent Jesus. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And Jesus came to transform the earth to make it look like the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God. So it's a place of rest in receiving from him and taking time to drink the living water, to eat those nutrients, and um, I actually want to share a picture that God gave me when we were singing. And um, it was a picture, and we were, it, it was about being activated. And now that I'm at this point in sharing about this verse, I actually see how they're connected. Um, it was a person like us on a sailboat, right? 
So we're on a sailboat, and the sailboat was kind of stuck in the middle of the ocean and not really going anywhere. And I feel like that's kind of how we're all feeling right now in some ways. It's kind of like, ugh, like this feels like a stagnant thing. You know, what, why are we still here? It's, we're, this wind's supposed to be moving. And, um, and then I saw this image of the person on the sailboat, representative of us, speaking out the words of God, partnering with God, saying, what are you saying to me? What do you want to do on the earth? Because what is happening on the earth and what was happening on the earth when Jesus was here was not what God was doing all the time. It was oftentimes what the enemy was doing, and Jesus came to bring the kingdom, to establish the kingdom. So I felt like on the ship, it was this person listening to the Lord, saying, what are you doing? What are you saying? And it was the Lord standing next to the person, holding our hand, speaking the words of life, and his words and his kingdom comes to earth through us, like Matthew 6 talks about, through our partnership. So it was a powerful partnering with God. As you're holding his hand, you are receiving nourishment from him as you take the time to be with him in his presence and you speak out his words. But what I saw as the person spoke out his words is there, they were like a wind that came out into the atmosphere and the wind was moving and then moved this, went into the sails and moved the ship forward. It was like a, just a picture of partnering with God to see his will come to earth and kind of like the practicals as we, as we partner with him to speak out his promises, to declare his word, to activate his promises by faith saying, yes, God, even if I don't see this now and it looks like the enemy has got this and he's destroying it, you are bigger than that and I'm going to partner with you and I am not going to give up. I will speak to the mountain and um, I actually, sorry, I have to say one more thing. Okay, I loved this because I felt like what the Lord was saying was speak to the mountain, right? And I love this because in Matthew 17, I'm trying to decide if I want to share ESV or Passion Translation. They're both great. Okay, so in Matthew 17, there's the story of and I share this story all the time because it's one of my favorites. The disciples couldn't cast out a demon from a little boy, right? They couldn't heal. They couldn't make it right. And then Jesus does it. And um, I'm going to read the Passion Translation, Jesus' response. Later, later the disciples came to him privately and asked, why couldn't we cast out the demon? He told them it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have the faith, if you have faith inside of you no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. But this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. So that reference there, Jesus, I've said this a thousand times. I know I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it one more time. So Jesus didn't fast or pray in that moment, he cast out the demon. What he was referring to was a lifestyle of intimacy, building a vault of faith and power in the presence of God and leaving out that authority. It's a process. So he didn't give the disciples any excuse to say, well, it stinks. You couldn't get it done. The mountain's still there. Just forget about it. He encouraged them and said, 
get with the Father, get close, listen, breathe in his life, receive his nutrients, grow in your faith and speak to the mountain and don't give up speaking to the mountain. And you will grow weary if you don't keep receiving from his presence. But I want to continue, I want to encourage us to continue speaking to the mountain. Things will change. There will be a shift. God has good things for us. They are chasing after us. And his kingdom comes to earth as we continue to partner with him. So let's just continue to partner with him for an end of all of this COVID madness and a restoration of our nation of truth and justice, constitutional rights, health and wholeness, and a what? Salvation. Salvation. <laughs> yeah. A salvation and a wholeness, a sozo for our nation. So I just I actually just want to pray for a revival over our nation right now real quick. Is that okay? And then we'll close. <laughs> Sorry, I talked too much. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you are alive, that you are active. God, we thank you that you are moving and that you want to move. And we stand with you. We hold your hand and we say yes and amen. We welcome you into our nation. God, we welcome you. Thank you, Jesus for restoring those whose fortunes have, have been taken from them. Thank you that you are the God who is restoring fortunes, that you are restoring life, that you are resuscitating life, that you are resuscitating life, both mind, body, and spirit. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is activated in our nation right now, moving and restoring all things. And we will continue this week as a body of Christ to agree with you for you, what you are doing, knowing that as we partner with you, there is power. As we speak to the, your words to the mountains, that there is power, that your word is living, active, sharper than any, every two-edged, any two-edged sword, and that you are speaking through us as we speak your words to the dry bones, and we agree with you, God, and we speak life and restoration over our nation and the world in Jesus' name. And we declare an end of this time of the reign of the enemy over all of this madness in all of the various ways. And we just say yes, yes and amen to your truth, your justice, your health, your wholeness, and your restoration in all ways and in all things. Nothing is impossible for you. In Jesus' name, amen.